0: Hey there, ghosties. Welcome to episode 73 of the Ghost Lights podcast. Today's guest is Tara Falk. You may remember her from Sweat at the DCPA a couple years back, one of the best shows of that year. We sat down and talked about her love affair with theater, where it started and her East Coast Boston roots, how it took her to New York, and how important it is to be kind to yourself every step along the way. Now, Dan... Gimme some of that war by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. There, ghosties it's it's your boy sam gilstrap that laugh's got a high-pitched squeal to it that makes you feel like you're back inside of a theater and i hope you're not turning to your partner that you came with to the theater to watch that show and complain about my high-pitched laughter which has happened on more than one occasion but it just means i'm having a good time i hope you'll have a good time with me too today's guest tara
1: tara falk how are you tara i'm good and i too have a high-pitched Incredibly annoying laugh, much more annoying than yours. Oh so stop
0: it. I, then the, shame the t- those
1: people. Shame. I, they clearly I, have no capacity for joy, Sam. No,
0: no, they have definitely lost the capacity <laughs> for joy. Um, today's drinking game is every time you hear us reference the capacity for joy, you have to mm. take a sip.
1: And then feel that capacity and, for joy. And, and just feel there
0: that he goes. You, you can drink whatever it is that you got, tea, a little soda. I've got a nice coffee. Maybe a bottle of water is next to me. Dan, our producer, he's got some whiskey on standby. That's it's right see there. It? He's got a bottle. Oh bar. wow,
1: that's a lot of it. I've got coffee grounds left in my yeti.
0: <gasps> that means you can make another cup.
1: Yeah, but that involves getting up and going inside.
0: Well then don't do that. <laughs> There's too much stuff going on.
1: Here, there we go. There's water.
0: Nice. There well, see, we're this podcast is nothing but prepared. As you can tell by the <laughs> opening 30 seconds. That's mm-hmm. fun today. <laughs>
1: beyond professional yeah first
0: no we're just we're all yeah. we're here to do is hang out record the conversation and hopefully some good stuff happens
1: not make an ass th- of ourselves
0: oh i make an ass out of myself every time it's oh, all, oh. The, all the time all the time it's just okay, incumbent well, upon me to listen to you while you're talking so that i try and sound semi-coherent
1: okay well i, I take on that challenge all right I that will. sounds good okay okay good.
0: how who are you
1: again who am I? I'm yeah. Tara
0: Falk. Oh, hi Tara. Hi. It's good to see you again.
1: It's what an ass.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. It's in case of point. Um, we, we've got Dan Ribb. He's hanging out with us a little bit right now. Um, one of the main reasons why I asked him to stick around before he usually does his yoga and whiskey uh, while I while I talk to people.
1: With goats. With goats.
0: No, he does he's got a bunny. He's got a bunny.
1: Oh, so progressive.
0: So progressive. <laughs> soap aggressive he's uh, i dan you you got back into your theater this weekend at the jcc
2: i did yeah What, what what's
0: that like buddy
2: it it was emotional really mm-hmm. um it, it was it was odd i i i it was it was almost like i had a couple of uh days of nesting because i got Ooh. to come back into the theater and clean it up and get it ready and put up all the covid protocol signs and clear off my debt like i i I literally had to get rid of papers from february 2020 Um, wow and uh and then when i came in on monday it was okay we're back we're back in the theater uh we had a we had a dance uh company come in and they they did um kind of a socially distance that we we allowed less than 50 people in. So Mm -hmm. uh, uh, each class of the Dance uh, Academy uh, brought just their parents. So there were about 10 kids or so on stage. So there was 20, 25 people in the audience. Um, And then we just mostly recorded it so that they could share the recordings with their other friends and family. But we, we laid down that Marley, I got to light the dance show. And even for 25 people, we we called five minutes till places and uh, got to sit down with my Q lab file and uh, take the uh, take the first light cue. And uh, it, it was it was insane. Everything felt pretty normal until these sixth grade kids, who are uh, up on stage doing their pirouettes and the parents clapped. It was live in-person feedback Mm -hmm. for something being performed on stage. And I literally teared up. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I didn't expect it. It was just kind of like, okay, here we are. I'm doing, you know, kids dance shows again. This feels great. And then it was something about it wasn't the end of the piece. It was in the middle of the piece and they Uh-oh. clapped, they clapped and I just, uh, it, it hit me. It, like it It all came rushing back and I got to do six days of, uh, of dance for various uh, co- like groups. And mm-hmm. our, you know, we, we don't have a lot of theater going on right now, but uh, just that first week back was, <laughs> that, it was, it, it was something else. It was That's great. Awesome. Mm.
1: That's beautiful. Well, I can't imagine it.
0: Yeah. yeah, Dan, did you did you always have a connection to that live feedback when we when we had you on to talk to the TRT team um, earlier in the pandemic? I just, I mean, was that one of the things that pulled you into the work? Was that instant gratification or at least that physical gratification?
2: I mean, I I the always like yeah. I mean, like I, I'm a I'm a behind the scenes kind of person. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like to get the, I, I don't get the thrill from being on stage. I don't want the, you know, m- my thrill is uh, executing a show and no one knows I was there. Uh, <laughs> making, making it run smoothly. What was thrilling about doing the online performances was because hitting go live in a virtual environment, I had never done before. So it was like doing something fresh and new. And that's what really... It was almost as nerve-wracking to hit go and start my first virtual show as it was to call the curtain on my first like ballet in Los Angeles with a live orchestra and you know two thousand people in the audience. Like mm. it, it was similar, but for totally different reasons. But wow. this was a few people in a small audience. This time it was because Everyone was in a shared space, and it just mm-hmm. it. I think every time, every everybody who gets back in that shared space indoors in a in that missing theater, like I'm sure the people at the Arvada Center right now are feeling exactly the same thing as they're doing that as they're doing that show. Mm-hmm. It just it 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 hits you in ways that you uh, that you're not expecting. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are lucky artists, aren't we?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: to know
1: that that's what we missed too it's Mm -hmm. like that there's you know having people in the room is the point and having Mm -hmm. someone next to you making that moment happen in the present is what it's all about the communal storytelling you know Mm -hmm. um and you just when you don't have that in any capacity, even telling a story from your porch, you know, mm. with people sitting next to you, uh, that's all gone. It's it's really extraordinary what a massive just void that leaves, especially mm. when it's your life, you know, and it's what you do uh, and less about the applause and more about, yeah, like people are feeling this and seeing this and understanding this. And there was this article in the New York Times, which maybe everyone saw because it was probably plastered all over social media, but it was that, um, There was a study done that um, audience members' heartbeats synchronize when Mm. they're watching theater. Mm -hmm. And I was like, of course. You know, in my head, I was like, wow. Oh, wait, but of course, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think that's just so beautiful. And there's a reason that people go to see it. Yeah. You know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: I'm glad that the the waves in which it's coming back it's, it's, it's really soothing. I mean, Dan, you use the word normal and I've, I've been, I've been remiss to try and like avoid using that, that word, but it's definitely, it's a little more reassuring than months past. It's Mm -hmm. not so, I don't know, up in the air there. It Mm -hmm. seems like there's less chaos in this chaotic world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean to hear that story me and Dan was sharing some of it with me we 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 went to a baseball game you know and we're sitting out there in Coors Field and he's telling me the story and it's like ah it kind of feels right we're kind of right again um thank you for sharing that with us Dan thank yeah. you man yeah
1: no it's it's so exciting and so hopeful um and just those um that size audience is like a normal that's a big like off off broadway crowd (laughs) so you know it's like just to have that Mm -hmm. interaction for those kids you know to be able to share that with people live is um can't be overstated how powerful that is it's just wonderful so Mm
2: -hmm. yay yep it's 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 coming back it's getting close Mm -hmm. oh yeah
0: all right tara now that my amazing producers uh, left me to my own devices. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Theater, how did it happen to you?
1: How did it happen to me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I mean, my family didn't go to the theater. I think I saw Peter Pan and Annie and, and I, I do believe a production of nonsense mm-hmm. um, and I don't sing, but I sure thought I could. So I did a lot of theater in my room. I would make up dances and leotards to changes by David Bowie, or I would write plays. Um, in third grade, we had a teacher who let us write plays. I always sort of, and they were pretty phenomenal. They were like literally women in their forties sitting around talking with wine and cheese, like named Tiffany and Stephanie, literally a series. <laughs> um, Cause that's all I saw my mother and her friends do. But. Um, I was always, it was, they were horrible and wonderful. And she'd let me act them out too. But I was not in theater ever, ever, ever in my life. Mm. Um, And in high school, I was a freshman and this guy was a senior and we met at a reggae concert at a castle in New England, Hammond Castle. And uh, yeah. And (laughs) he was like a lead singer of a punk band and probably, you know, up to my chin, but whatever, he was awesome. And he was in theater at my local high school. And I decided to give it a go. It's funny, my drama director, he was 27 at the time, Mm -hmm. militant, like really strict Stanislavski in high school, no budget whatsoever. We did it for the love of it. Um, He was terrifying. And Mm -hmm. we had to do monologues from Spoon River. And I went in. And I did, um, I believe it was Emily from Spoon River. Mm-hmm. And I asked if I could sit down because I thought I, my legs were going to give out. And all the seniors were watching, which was like all the guy, all the you know, cool kids with combat boots and hair in front of their face and you know all that mm-hmm. stuff. So they were judging the hell out of me and I did it. And I got a part in the play, which I believe was called Seven Keys to Bald Pate. <laughs> and I was playing an 80-year-old innkeeper. I just remembered that, oh God. And I was like, I'm gonna start character journaling. And I did, I kept a character journal and he was really, really strict about the fact that theater was a craft.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: In this little school in you know, North Shore, Massachusetts where they did musicals and that was it. And, mm-hmm. and theater was nothing to them. Um, we had really no budget. And then the next show we did, um, they canceled Seven Keys to Ball Debate because the seniors weren't showing up. So I didn't get my debut. Um, and then I, we did some other play, but then we did 1984 by George or- Orwell. Hmm. And we did The Poet in Rent by David Mamet. And like, he really just started, he's like, now they got a little taste of some fun little shows and now I'm gonna show them what I wanna do. So we went to the dump and we got old TVs and hooked them up and we built trash piles And we got speakers and hung them from the ceiling. And we had about 15 kids who were all dressed up as um, soldiers that worked for Big Brother in the audience, sitting around people. And we put on that show, which I don't know if it sucked, but it felt marvelous. And like we were making a social statement and um, it was fantastic. And I went into that world of, you know, he, the first sort of acting theory guru process was Stanislavski mm. for me. And I was 15 and um, it was the first place I did, I stumbled upon it. It's just cause I thought that guy was cute. Um, and it became my absolute life for those four years and, and totally saved my life. I mm. needed some sort of outlet of communication um, or uh, understanding or expression or something. And it gave it to me, and it was um, lots of Diet Coke, cigarettes, and hanging out in the theater. (laughs) Did you have a local
0: Denny's that you'd like to hang out with after rehearsal?
1: Um, We we would just go to somebody's backyard Uh. and hang. Um, But we did have we do have this place that's uh, Nick's famous roast beef in Beverly, Mass, and uh, yeah, and it is uh, world famous, we believe. <laughs> but it's this tiny place that has killer roast beef sandwiches, so that's like a main hangout. Nice. But um, and it also kept me out of trouble. Uh, I didn't go to a ton of parties and and do all that stuff, uh, which I um, a lot of people around me did. And mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I just I wanted to know it all. I wanted to create things. I wanted to be perform. I wanted to be in story. I wanted to collaborate. I just wanted it really, really badly, and I didn't know. So thank you, Patrick Henry yeah. from Essex, Massachusetts, wherever you are now for uh, out, making my heart drop. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> is Patrick oh. Henry the, the the guy in the band, the punk band, or is he the teacher?
1: It's the punk band. Oh, Chris nice. Shiller's the teacher. He's probably a little bit more important. And he actually just retired uh, yesterday, I oh, think. Oh, shoot. Um, he was at a Red Sox game and students got together and flashed his Face a name on, on the board near the green monster. Oh. And, uh, yeah, but he, over 30 years, he was 27 when he started. Um, and I was like his second year of theater mm-hmm. there and he stayed the whole time. And, um, I mean, I kid you not when I say no budget, tiny town and they would go to the state competitions all the time. Now, I mean, they're just known for it. Wow. And he was also a troublemaker, which I loved. He was the troublemaker and we fought, but he was, uh, he would just, he, he, the status quo was not okay. Mm. And so when there were competitions of any sort or something, they're like, oh, here he comes. But he, he was just demanding something different that, you know, these kids Mm -hmm. can do more. And um, he had lots of things. He'd nail your feet down with his hand. If you were moving all over the stage, you know, and you're rocking back and forth because you're nervous. and Mm -hmm. Or if you kept your elbows at your sides, which I think I did an entire production of the nerd doing, he um, would come and just like, rip your hands up and be like, you're not a bird. (laughs) Um, He was great. He was wild and wonderful and great and and supported me all throughout my career. Came and saw a show that Tim wrote that we produced in New York off-Broadway. You know, just phenomenal. Yeah, it it was a really scary place to start that made me want to vomit every day with rehearsal and turned into really amazing training ground to then go to theater school and then go to New York you had to cut your teeth with with chris and you had to be dedicated and if you weren't he's like then get out
0: yeah that's yeah it's so, it's so unique to hear that i mean i with my with my education background now that i've been in schools for like the last four years and like the teachers mm-hmm. that i met when i was a student i mean the the, the type of student that you're describing to me this like this is what I expect you either meet it or you don't. And it's okay if you don't, but you're not here wasting my time. Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's hard to find those people. And I find Mm -hmm. like you're, those types of people are given leeway in the arts, which in in some cases sports, but sometimes those people take it way too far in sports. Yeah, And, um, as, as I also know. So, I mean, to to define that type of like that balance between for lack of a better phrasing, hard nose, personality and yet caring about Mm -hmm. what he's teaching you to get you to care about it. Like I feel like there's a there's a gentle gentility to him.
1: Yeah, he learned that more and more. Mm -hmm. You know, he grew he definitely grew into that. Um he was just mature in the way that he was like, okay, this isn't working. Um you know this way of trying to get things done. Maybe I'm Mm -hmm. being too hard-nosed. Maybe I need to talk to my student, you know, he just really became a kind of magical force. And then the theater program became award-winning and, you know, took off. And it's Mm -hmm. a huge thing at that school now. I mean, when I was in it too, it felt sort of like the breakfast club. We had the jock, we had the punker, we had the pretty girl. We had the, you know, we just sort of had the introvert. We had this like group of of, uh, folks. And back then they called us drama, Bad word, f word, uh, uh. fag. Yeah, that's what they called us, and so we were mm. like, great. So we made t-shirts that said that. He's like, then you just own it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't think that'd fly now, but we were owning it. Um, but it attracted so many different people uh, that it that it blew my mind. It wasn't just one type of person, which is sort of what I love now, being an adult in the theater, is that you realize, you know, we all are have different lives outside of our jobs. Cause it is indeed a job, yeah. you know, it's a career um, and a passion too, which is so fortunate. Um, but, you know, we all have these really vibrant sort of lives outside of our, our jobs too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about how the beginning of this experience with this teacher who made you nervous, a little nauseous, and then it became something bigger and you were really excited and you dove into it. What is that transition like? I mean, because especially at that age, around 15, 16, as you said, yeah. I feel yeah. like that that type of immersion education happens a little later in life. And then I think there's mm-hmm. there's more, you know, beliefs that have been established by that time that are then harder to shake for some people. Mm-hmm. But I would think at that age, it, it is like a, a sponge. You're just like, oh, crap, this is awesome and new. I'm going for it. Or did you yeah. rebel to any of it?
1: Um, I rebelled sometimes to his behavior, mm. <laughs> which he, I mean, whether he was in the right or wrong, you know, I, I did have a, a little thing with authority. Um, but I think it evolved when we became creative partners. I mean, he really made us creative partners, all of us there even if it was one of the kids just being a spy in 1984 sitting on the side, he's like, what, what do you have to say about this? What do you Mm -hmm. think about this? Get in on this. Like it just became a collaboration and, you know, and back then of course I can remember it. It's like, Oh, that was epic. And that was amazing. That production or who knows, it could have sucked, but it was brilliant to me Mm -hmm. and it meant something. And he like really instilled that we are all doing this together, like ensemble, I guess it Mm -hmm. is like, You know, it it, I know from teaching acting, this even happens with adults and adult directors is that somebody becomes the person who's going to get picked on somebody becomes the popular one like a a, a click forms. And even in a rehearsal room or something or or an acting class I've had students come to me and say these things that these teachers have done and, you know, I think that's the dangerous line of when ego takes over Mm -hmm. for a teacher and stuff and um. He just dropped it and let it go and allowed all of us to have a voice. Even if say I was, you know, a lead in the show and somebody else was um, the assistant painter, you know, on something, he was like, everybody respects everybody. And none, none of this happens unless we're all doing it together, period. Mm-hmm. It's a collaboration. Nobody's more important than anybody else. Cause no one can see you Tara mm-hmm. and say your lines. If, this guy with the you know spotlight at the time, you know, is not mm-hmm. doing his job. And that just really taught me that it is such a collaboration. I think that's the joy that I found in it. That's the thing that I loved the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, you know, there is somebody who's super ego driven or not there, I don't know, to be a part of it or cantankerous or something. It really, I'm like, ah, oh, darn it. You're messing it up.
3: <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm.
1: you know, we're all here for each other. So I got your back, you got mine. Yeah so so he really instilled collaboration in me completely and right. just ensemble the beauty of that and that it is a craft learning mm-hmm. ensemble is a total craft in itself
0: Yeah like, to respect those roles within the within the whole I think it's a, yeah. it's something for a, I mean a teacher at the high school level but any level to like really sometimes it's hard to disseminate that
1: Yeah to so get oh, yeah.
0: people to buy in I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, it I the maybe it's easier in high school, but it's, uh, to me, it's harder on every level. And it, it, it takes yeah. as much buy-in from the teacher to get buy-in from their students in that regard. Yeah,
1: he was 100% bought in. And when I went to theater school at BU, I mean, you had to do every single thing.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: you had to do stagecraft, you had to do costumes, you had to, I mean, you had to do all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to help run a tech and be, you know, the assistant to the assistant. You had to understand it all. And, and that's what I loved about that program is that they made you do all of that outside of your insanely massive uh, acting major mm-hmm. that seemed nonstop, uh, you had to go do these things. And that was freshman year. You weren't allowed to set foot on the stage until sophomore year. Wow. You had to learn the, everybody else's craft first as much as possible.
0: That's great. What was, yeah. what was that, that experience like at BU?
1: Um, I loved my my theater training there. Um, I loved that it was a mishmash of everything. I mean, they're sort of stanislavski driven, but you learn everything. Um, you know, it's why if someone asked me about Meisner, I can't download hardcore full facts because I, I got pieces, you know, of it, uh, you know, a six week Meisner thing, and then let's go over here and we're really just gonna go Uta Hagen and that, you know. Um, they just they allowed you to guide it yourself you had to be totally self disciplined mm-hmm. in that program um they're not they weren't going to push you um and so i really loved the freedom of that and uh that it that i think yet again it was just about ensemble it was about the whole and that we're all here you know for each other and of course there were moments where i was like this place sucks get mm-hmm. me out um or this classmate is driving me nuts. I'm sure I drove people nuts, but it really was. We And, and it was only 19 kids mm. in my class. Um, we started out with about 45 and then sophomore year they cut, which I'm just like, we're just getting started. What do you mean you cut someone? Uh, but you cut and I was on probation and I was like, I get up every week and write. I mean, I was like the David Sedaris chapter of one of his books where he's like in the flesh body stocking, writing pieces and performing them. Like I was committed man. <laughs> I was up there like ooh, this Tracy Chapman song behind this Sam Shepard piece while I modern dance like that was me. <laughs> I just did it and um, but I, yeah I was on probation and they were like we just see something in you and we want to push you harder period. Mm. So I was like of course I was like I'll show you jerks um, and then I did I worked twice as hard and, and got through. Um, but always, you know, I have a bunch of friends who got caught from that program that now have phenomenal careers and, and they're mostly careers they want to have, you know, mm-hmm. they're out there doing indie films or on SNL or, you know, these great careers, but uh, they're like, yeah, that program just wasn't right for me mm-hmm. um, and went and built something of themselves. So, yeah. So who knows, but it was, um, it was hard work. It was a lot of work. If you, mm-hmm. if you were doing the work they gave you, it was nonstop. It was like 8am to midnight every day and we knew how to party so uh this one guy was a dj hillel Meltzer. he was a break dancing champion in san francisco in the early 90s and uh he was in stomp for a long time too and hilly would throw these parties and dj them and they were insane they were amazing but it's like yet again theater kids blowing off steam after you just that you know ridiculous saying that's usually on a ford truck commercial or something but work hard play hard and i think yeah. <laughs> we all mastered that pretty well
0: yeah well i feel like in some cases too i mean you you need that how can you go yeah. to sleep right away when you've been like testing yourself day and day out since the sun comes up till like well after it goes down
1: Yeah. And in something that you feel so passionate about too. So it's like that light is turned on all day long, even if you're tired and then, yeah, you go outside and have a Diet Coke or something. Um, Yeah. You, you need that. You know, it was just like in New York too, waiting tables, you get home, you're Mm -hmm. (laughs) supercharged. But I think with acting, it's a whole other experience, of course, you know, that level of needing to come down and decompress from it, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. What was your transition after you graduated through that program into Mm -hmm. your professional career?
1: Um, I always wanted to go to New York. Um, I'd only visited there, I think, twice in my life. And I grew up in Massachusetts, which is so silly. Mm -hmm. But I'd only been there twice in my life. And um, that was my goal. I wanted to do theater in New York. And uh, we have a thing that they used to call... I mean, I I think they still call it this. It was the leagues or consortium. And it's where we had four schools. Um, It was Carnegie Mellon, North Carolina School for the Arts, SUNY Purchase and us. And we performed for like a room of like a hundred agents. Wow. But the problem is you only get two minutes to show your stuff. (laughs) And they're there sitting through an evening of four schools, probably 15 to 20 students a piece per school, Mm -hmm. do two scenes like a minute or you know maybe i think it was like 220 you get um and you have to choose these scenes we rehearsed and rehearsed it's called the showcase um or the showcase i should say and we went to new york and we were last that year and i was just so pissed (laughs) because you know like that 100 150 goes down to about 25 by the end Mm because they just need to move on. Everybody's doing them. All the schools are doing them. The agents are running mad. And I'm sure every student looks the exact same to them at that point. So it did thin out. But um, I ended up getting uh, a bunch of appointments with different agents. And, um, you know, me, then I had like nine books on agents that I had highlighted and written um, subtext thoughts of mine in the side. and the sides of the pages, and um, I did a ton, a ton, a ton of research. Like I was super serious about it, and um, and whether those books, I, they told me everything I felt like I needed to know. Um, I got a wicked bad headshot, um, wicked bad. Like I don't think there was any room on the side. It was just like my face, <laughs> smiling really big, <laughs> with lots of curls, and I was like, that is what they're looking for, and it's. <laughs> Horrible. The agent I ended up signing with, I went into him on a meeting and he was like, first of all, and he held it up. He's like, can we change this? And I was like, Oh, I have another one. It was like me making a sad face. And he was like, No, like both done Like, we can't. <laughs> and I'd put in my special skills, I'd put hip hop dancing. And he's like, Could you throw down some moves? I'm like, I can not freaking hip hop dance. Right. I'm like, that? A book told me to put it because I did a hip hop dance in one show once. Um so he had such a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and um, they had a ton of stage credits, uh, or, or, or uh, actors who had a ton of stage credits. They represented um, people that I admired. And I remember James Earl Jones was with them, and like Ooh. that, just to me, I you know uh, was huge, and a, a ton of other people, and a lot of and a lot of musical theater people, which is not my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't sing. I mean, I can, but not well. Um, and I don't dance, I can, not well. Um, I'm an actor who moves.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> Isn't that yeah. what they say? I'm an actor who moves or can carry a tune. Yeah. Um, but I'm a straight actor, straight up acting. And, yeah. um, and they took me on and nice. um, I booked my first show, um, which was huge, huge, just launched me into the scene. Oh, it was $25 a week, personal check. In the Catskills, uh, Diary Van Frank playing Margot, the sister who just coughs and has like three lines, you know. So mm-hmm. I got that, but it ended up being a director who was actually like very well-known downtown theater director. Um, it does a lot of out there stuff and worked with Robert Wilson and all this stuff. So it was just random, random. So we put on, um, we packed the houses. The cat skills? No, we didn't, um, but we did that. <laughs> and then I came back to New York and I had booked um, a show where I got my equity card at Cleveland Playhouse, The Triumph of Love. And it was directed by Kent Thompson who used to run the Denver Center. Oh. That was my very first equity show. So they, uh, they paid for my equity card actually. And oh. I, I went out and I, I did that show in Cleveland. That was my first show out of town and as a regional theater actor. And it felt so super fabulous. And yeah, so that's how I got to New York. And I moved there into a six story walk up that cost more than my mortgage now. It was just pathetic and lived with two other girls and 550 square feet and um, worked my ass off in another crappy job. I'm in so many crappy, crappy jobs. Um, I took care of lots of rich people's kids. (laughs) They, hope, Same. You know, they, they probably won't be yeah probably won't be listening to this um it's beneath them but yeah Whoa, like nine room Oh wow,
0: shots fired
1: not oh. you them shot oh, okay. was at them sam oh, oh, Please. Good, good. yeah those We're people in this suck. together man
0: <laughs> eat the rich
1: Woo! <laughs> eat the rich eat the rich except when they give me like float after she's wasted after going to like a met gala and she floats me a like 50 bill and it's like i'm terrified for you to take the subway home we're on the Upper East Side. You live in, oh God, Brooklyn, you know, take it. And I'd be like, awesome, it'd be 3 a.m. I'd pocket that 50 and get on the subway. I'd be like, I just made five hours worth of work because she was tanked. Yeah. And she thought I'd get raped and murdered um, when it's really just a bunch of my people taking the subway, <laughs> so. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I had a lot of those jobs that um, were under the table. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then just, you know, <laughs> after that first show you come back to town with all your boxes shipped from ups and you're like oh i gotta do this again i gotta go i gotta pound the pavement again um hopefully several times a week if you're lucky and uh find a job to pay my rent and get out of here again or hopefully get a show here Mm -hmm. or a commercial or something you know
0: what's that grind like out there in new york man moment right
1: every moment um and then when it's not happening you're just freaked because Mm -hmm. it's not happening and so you're waiting tables or taking care of rich people's kids or you know you're doing all these other things um i i loved that adrenaline for a long time you know that's a, a beautiful city that when you're riding that wave and you're on a high man that city meets you where you are and it is just like you you own the world it's so beautiful and amazing you're like we're all connected it's incredible but when it's down <laughs> you're like pummeled into the pavement with blood everywhere is what it feels like mm-hmm. um you and lose i had a, the
0: capacity for joy
1: and my capacity for joy well i don't think i had it most of my life until i met tim so <laughs> oh, good, <laughs> but good, that's good. a whole other podcast um
0: well we've got time for it
1: okay uh, yeah. so I did a lot of just surviving, you know? Even when I booked a show that paid well that was in New York and you thought it could take you to the next level because the people who would see this show run theaters or are big managers or represent, you know, or are other actors who, oh, maybe so-and-so will see my work and then go, I wanna work with her. Let's get her in the room. And so often it just means nothing. Mm. and I was finding that the greatest not the greatest work I didn't mean that the most fulfilling work for me was happening out of town making good money better than you can make off Broadway and even on Broadway sometimes Mm. and getting out of town and going and I didn't like leaving the person I was with and you know my friends and my home but I got to go live this sort of gypsy life that is pretty phenomenal and uh, see our country and go to places like St. Louis, where I was like, where am I, you know, for a Boston Mm -hmm. girl, where the heck am I? I mean, they have, I think they were like 80% subscribers, that audience. These were like dedicated hardcore theater goers and they were doing great, great theater out there. And the conversations afterwards, uh, the talkbacks were extraordinary. And I'm like, I in mean, St. Louis, like, you know, people tell you over and over, you can only do it in New York. You can mm-hmm. only do it in Chicago. You can only do it in LA. And I believed that for a long time, that you can only do it there because that's where you have to audition. And that's where you have to. And it's just such a lie. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has to be like, what what do you want out of this? Yeah. I want to do good work. And it seemed like the more sort of higher profile I guess other people refer you know to like Mm -hmm. a Broadway show or it just was less fulfilling the work I was doing um and I did a whole lot of understudying um on Broadway which is a whole other job within itself talk about a thankless job and Mm -hmm. you better get your ego in check fast um because when you do go on if you do go on even if people don't know who you're understudying because they're a famous New York theater person, you know, Mm -hmm. people are in from out of town, like, and they don't even know who it is. They're going to be disappointed it's you. (laughs) And you're going to have to do kind of their performance, no matter how much you say, I'm going to bring my own this to it. And nobody on stage is expecting you to bring your own to it. Mm -hmm. You're the the little cog that fits in that machine. You better be solid, straight up, Mm -hmm. because everyone else around you is falling apart (laughs) because they're hoping you're okay. (laughs) So they're all (laughs) falling apart and you're like, why am I the only one knowing everything? Because um, everyone else is falling apart. Yeah. You know, I've had those situations where I was going on and I had to walk through, there was no backstage entrance. I had to walk through um, at half hour, a crowd being like, ah, damn it. <laughs> I was like, nobody knows who the woman I'm going on for is anyways. But it's like, Just <laughs> enraged Manhattanites, enraged. <laughs> um, and I had to feel it. I walked back to the dressing room. I told the two guys I was in the show with, I was like, dude, that was brutal. Like that was walking the gauntlet of like, I'm on my guts are on the floor. And they're like, Oh my, like, you know, they just made fun of it and, you know, got me ready to get out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it is a slog. It's a slog of a life and you got to, you, you don't have to start young. You do start young. That's when most people go to New York when they're young and if you go when you're older i salute you because you probably have your shit together by then Mm -hmm. but you know you go with so many expectations and as an artist you go with this drive you know and this craving and this want it's just so many no's all the time every day and then a job that's not so great and you have to find these moments of like in in auditions i get to perform today yay they mm-hmm. want me to be good. Awesome. Because they want to get out of here. They want to find their person, mm-hmm. you know, just changing that mentality. And that really freed me up on so many occasions of walking into a room and being like in my, in my gut going, I'm who they're looking for. They want me to be the one they're looking for. Let's do this.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you confront a lot of different personalities in that room with casting directors. I mean, some oh. are absolutely dreadful, horrible, horrible, probably lovely people. No, probably just fine people with some issues, but Mm -hmm. act horribly. And others who are just like ready to cheer you on and get you the job, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just constant having to know your surroundings and what's going on and where you're at.
0: How much of that work did you do on your own? I I would assume you'd have to, I mean, New York to me, as a guy that's never been there, it's this this big sea and
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you're floating on your own little
1: raft. You sure are. You are. And um, you better have a good network of friends, Mm. Uh, whether they're there in New York or not. You just better have just like a good solid grounding Um, or not You better have it. I suggest you have it. Um, And I had just people going through what I was going through too. Some, you know, felt some weren't supportive and were just competitive because it really is. You got to have your A game on all the time. You best be memorized or close or close to being off book. You best be ready to go and center. You know, it's like you're just up against so many more people, mm-hmm. and they're bringing their A game. You know, there's no you want to come in and be lazy. Well, if you've already made it great, that's gonna work for you. But like mm-hmm. otherwise, if you're just trying to get the next gig and be a working actor, which is a middle class human being in this country. You just better have your A game on all the time. You were interviewing for a job nonstop, you know? And so um, you got to do the work. So a lot of it is self-discipline, having Mm -hmm. a good support network um, and really knowing what you want from it. You know, of course it attracts so many people who just want to be famous or Mm -hmm. are there for the applause or, you know, have reasons why they became an actor that might not be the most healthy reasons, which, I mean, I'm sure me going into it at the beginning wasn't super healthy but I also found the joy of connection and storytelling, which is really what drove me Mm.
3: um,
1: because I saw the difference it made in my life going to see a show finally. Um, I saw Fences. That's what was my first big show, Trinity Rep in in Providence, Rhode Island, Fences. And um, I lived in a super vanilla town, super white. And I got to see a black family in America, feel, exist, live, be themselves Mm
3: -hmm.
1: in front of my eyes. And it it opened up a whole new world to me. My world was tiny and so sheltered. And I just thought I felt with these people. I moved with these people. I was like, this is, it's just a bridge Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um, to humanity for people to just sit back, uh, be able to objectively observe living, breathing humans go through things they might have gone through or something they've never seen before. Um, And it it cracks open a whole world. And I walked out of theater completely changed and floored. Mm -hmm. Um, And also those actors at Trinity Rapids when they had a true rep company too, were just phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, And I went there with my high school theater director, Mm -hmm. brought us all, yeah. Nice. Because there was really nothing around us at all. I mean, there was a, oh, there is North Shore Music Theater, which I guess I, I saw, I saw McBee there um, when we were younger, um, but they, d- they do a musical. ton of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, they do Shakespeare and, and mostly, yeah, musicals, but you know, my we didn't go there. My family never went mm. to theater, really. Nobody in my family's in theater at all.
0: Uh, what were, when you're out there in New York, I mean, mm. you got your, you got your friends to rely on, was there... Mm support feedback from your folks if you mind don't mind me asking
1: absolutely no they were very supportive but they were also like what are you going to do when this fails which doesn't feel Uh, very supportive yeah so they were huge champions of i think they really believed in me because they saw how hard i worked how much i wanted it so they showed up all the time Mm-hmm. Uh, every show, they were there, whether my father wanted to be there or not, he was there. <laughs> I remember I wrote a one-woman show my senior year in in uh, at BU, and there was <laughs> yet again me, like just trying to do it all, get people <laughs> to understand. Um, so this particular part was about misogyny, and it was an Ani DeFranco song in which I stripped. Um, you had to know the song. It was very, very. Um, contrarian of me and uh, (laughs) and i ended up in a bra underwear and combat boots crawling across the floor and then like i licked the floor and i looked up and i saw my dad with his two best friends (laughs) god bless him God bless him, he showed up. And afterwards he's like, Ugh. this is my dad. He's like, fucking mercy fuck. Um, you know, my mom's like, we're <laughs> very proud and slightly embarrassed. And then her girlfriend's just hugging me. You know, they brought the whole crew. Yeah. Um, but I was like, there's stuff in here about you guys too, but there's stuff in here. And mm-hmm. they're like, we're coming. We don't give a shit, we're coming. And they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to New York for everything. I think my dad only came to New York a few times because he hates it with a passion. He used to mm-hmm. commute into New York, so he just hates it. They live in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. He doesn't want to leave. He wants to be with his fishing boat and in his garden. And that is it. And they came a few times to New York. Anytime I was in something um, or produced something on our own, they showed up. Hmm. So they're very supportive. But it's that lingering in 10 years when this doesn't work out or, you know, oh, Hmm. they're only paying you that much. Oh, they're, you know, it's just little things like that, that I just think so many people don't understand what we do. Yeah. Even the people who are critics, even the people who write about theater, even the people who direct, really don't understand are the life of an who, actor.
0: Yeah, there's there's actors that don't understand.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean,
0: I, mean I, w- I would have counted myself as one of those people in the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, like there were certain things that attracted me to it, but I mean, it took it took about a good ten, fifteen years of me being an yeah. arrogant idiot to go like, oh. <laughs> Oh, Mm -hmm. oh, those years
1: are tough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To really, truly get it and live it means you will always have another job if you are not the 0.5% out there that only do this for a living. So the hundreds and thousands of us who don't do that, um, you know, that you will Mm -hmm. always have another job, that your ego must always be in check, Mm -hmm. that uh, you will. You know, there's not a whole, you know, the level of auditioning out here in Denver is way lower um, than anywhere else. And that's hard because mm-hmm. you're like, you get out of a show and you're like, ah, where are the other shows? I wanna, well, there's only two theaters auditioning right now, it's tough, you know, or um,
3: yeah.
1: the only one a union person, the only one a non-union person, They only, you know. Um, yeah. that, that's a real hard struggle here too, because I only dove back into acting a few years ago, really here um Mm -hmm. because we moved here because of the recession we don't want to come here we were going to give it a try for a year and tim had gone to the national um theater conservatory here Mm -hmm. and um he he was like i lived in denver i loved my training there we have a couple friends here i was like i've never been let's get out of here we just had a kid the recession hit we're about to lose everything we were just gutting a house and so we took off and that was 12 years ago (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and literally this year during COVID, we sold our house in New York.
3: Mm.
1: Thank God. But we sold our house in New York because um, we're like, we're not going back there. This is the community that we've fallen in love with and a place that we've fallen in love with. And we know that the opportunities are so much less. But I was like, I, w- I want to put myself back out there again. And mm. and so I did. And I just done a few shows and was feeling, I was about to go do another one at Curious, and like was just really feeling that vibe of like, okay, this is what it's like to be back on because mm. um, I sold health insurance for 10 years to raise my kid and uh, get us back on our feet while Tim went and was in HR at a restaurant company and at the DCPA and doing shows. And I mean, we've been insane. Yeah. And it's just, he was like, I want you to step back and do what you want to do. And I want you to get back into acting. And I was like, mm. I want to get, I, I'm in a different place about it in my life now too. It's a whole, it's so much more enjoyable and fabulous now, um, than it's ever been. Cause I just don't care as much, um, about what other people think. I care about the story and the people I'm working with. I care about the people who sit in the chairs that night. It, it has so many less pressures on it. And so, um, I just started getting back in and then COVID hit and they canceled, uh, the next show that I was going to do. And mm-hmm. then I lost my teaching gigs and here I am
0: you're talking to the ghost sites podcast.
1: Yeah, right?
0: Cuz it doesn't. It's not we <laughs> we 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 started off on such a great note. It's coming back. <laughs> you're, you're, it you're is gonna coming get back, back. Out there. I got it's a chance a, to do yes. a reading with you. You're too damn good. You'll be back.
1: Oh, uh, bless your soul. Thank you. Well, I yeah. hope so because it just feels like, you know, I was telling Dan before you and I started talking, like the very first day I go back and teach again, I'm terrified that I'm going to be, you know, so excited and spaz attacky. And also not know a damn thing, but I think that's kind of liberating too, because I feel like I step into everything now. Of, I don't know.
3: Hmm.
1: I know what I know and that's it. So I might not know. <laughs> so let's go, you know, yeah. it's all about falling on your face and getting back up when, I mean, how many people can say that they're in a profession that is about that. I mean, we're told we need to be perfect and on point and this and this and this. It's like, no, be prepared, do your work. But the point is, you're going to fall a million times until you figure out the way that works, right? Yeah. And, and that falling down is a good thing that you can get back up and go, oh yeah, I yeah. learned something. Let's move forward. You know, not many, not many jobs allow that yeah. <laughs> or encourage that even.
0: Oh, yeah, you touched on a great point. I mean, the way, I mean, even at my like humble beginnings at Metro, mm-hmm. while like that's where I learned the fear of not being perfect from mm-hmm. the start, which mm. was a really tough thing for me to shake but mm. was also one of those things when like when I knew I was really good at like on a, yeah. on a specific choice or whatever that that clouded my ability to be open to the the craft changing so absolutely what I'm trying to get at it's like that you got to hit it now you got to hit it now you got to hit it now and then you got to the performances and then there was no room for it mm-hmm. to breathe outside of that and i know a lot of my early work was like locked in, if I, if I, oh, if I was too. feeling a specific way at 20 minutes into the play, then I knew I was having a good show. Cause then yeah. that, it was, I had to hit the formula. If you just watched Tenet, you had to get the algorithm right.
1: Right, right. It, I felt that way all the time. I was locked in and rehearsals mm. were not a joyous place. Um, mm. Rehearsals were, this is where I get it right. Uh, and yeah. then when I started allowing myself to fall, I worked with some tough directors Uh, and, and just nasty. Um, I adored them, but their, their behavior in the room was like old school British, just medieval beat your ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, just getting down to even operative words and just making you feel like a complete idiot for not getting it. Mm -hmm. And then saying it so many times that you would say the line, you couldn't even your, your voice was so, like every word felt weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being just nasty. And then I worked with directors who were so supportive and be like, I don't know, let's try it. Let's go. Let's stop talking and go. Oh, great. Let's try this. That's right. And really honed in on, especially when I'm teaching, like the best room to be in is one that is safe and nurturing and encouraging. And that is it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a philosophy out there and a school out there, and I was part of it, um, not advocating for it, part of it being an actor in it, that just beat you till you bled. I was like, this isn't the Marines, people. This is a play.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, but they treated it like it was the Marines. And I guess I get the discipline part of it, because no one else is going to do it for you. And it's a really tough industry with massive uh, amounts of rejection. But don't beat me up before I even put my toe in the water. Like, don't, I mean, it, it's like when a baby reaches for something, you slap its hand. Like you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. They're trying to discover something there. Let them go through it and, and yeah. discover it. And maybe they get hurt a little bit or whatever it is, but it's like, you gotta have exper. You have to experiment and, and fall on your face and be completely imperfect and not know and be a mess mm-hmm. before you can figure out, what works for even your production? Cause it doesn't mean it's the right answer. It's mm-hmm. the right answer for where you guys are. Um, so I just found that that I could exist in that world because I was that to myself. And then when I stopped ragging on myself and flogging myself so much, like be better and go harder. And I mean, just so gross. Um, I just, I had no tolerance for that behavior from a director towards me. And then they just started using my voice. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand why you need to speak to me this way. And their reaction would be, what just happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who just spoke to me that way? But just the simplest things. And, and you know, sometimes they'd still flog me and other times, you know, they would just change their tune a little bit, but it wasn't to humiliate them. It was like, I just can't take that anymore. I've had enough of that in my life and I do it to myself enough, so. I'll take care of the flogging, okay? Why don't you just tell me yeah. what you need and I'll give it to you. Let's be partners That'll here. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Mm. Have you ever worked with people that are really tough? Like
0: I was in, um, I did a play in college. We did an adaptation of A Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. And Huge. The, the director of that was um, a very accomplished woman, um, had a great career, and was doing, I, I, you know, was brought in to direct this piece. She, she wrote this particular adaptation. Um, and she was very regimented and stern. And I think for me, I was always such an instinct, like a terribly insecure kid, still a terribly insecure kid mm-hmm. even now, but, one mm. of the th- but like to, to walk into that room and not know who was going to get it that day. Mm. I was I was always stressing about it and it's so funny because I was terribly stressed I found I found her to be terribly mean to a lot of people but my insecurities always allowed me to just kind of become malleable mm. so what are you screaming about oh I won't do that mm. what do you need done by Friday oh I'll get it done by Wednesday
3: mm-hmm.
0: and then with a week to go before the show opened, I got another part because oh. somebody got fired. And so oh. now I am the first 50% of the play as one guy and I'm the last 50% of the play as oh another gosh. guy. Week to go. That's
1: an actor's nightmare.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was terrifying. Oh, and I then they I gave me that. a giant, I had to carry a giant puppet head of paper mache <laughs> of on course. a on a 30 foot pole. And like, bring that in. And that was like a physical embodiment of me. It, it's
3: Oh my gosh. It was
0: so meta, but, and, and she was really rough and really scary. And she, yeah. she made people cry at least once a week and two people mm. quit. One person was fired. Uh-huh. And, and it was one of those experiences where I was like, this is, I needed, I needed this hell to know not what never to accept again.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah
0: and I've been fortunate ever since then that like the people that have been rough or whatever I would just kind of I would just separate myself from it like mm-hmm. whatever they're yelling about is about something that they can't control
1: yeah well so that's it's like that's the yeah, key <laughs> yeah,
0: I can either find it for them or I don't and they'll let me walk or they won't like yeah. I mean I mean, I love Ed Byerline, but he's old school. Mm-hmm. He was firing brimstone mm-hmm. for me a couple of times, mm-hmm. and you know, I just I learned how to to walk whenever it rained ash with an umbrella. It was just
1: yeah, good for you. Yeah, I was always like, I, I mean, I learned to use my voice, but I'm talking like later mm. <laughs> in life, you know, and um always sort of being like I must be doing something wrong I must be doing something wrong but then go hang out with the actors afterwards for a drink and be like what a dick you Mm -hmm. know um and have your friends but um (laughs) but then been fortunate enough to not you know to know I think that's the key of like wow that behavior is a real mark of someone who is unhappy in themselves and that must be a painful place to live in right now, whatever they're experiencing. And that has nothing to do with me. So I can just back up. But if it gets to a certain point, I'm a passive aggressive jerk too. I'll say a little passive aggressive stuff. (laughs) I'll be like, wow, that was unnecessary. Did you, do you feel better? You know, Mm -hmm. like, and then like, but I'm saying it as I walk out the room, (laughs) you know, like
0: (laughs) what always that would manifest with me is like, if I am going to stand up to myself, like I say something like, I, I don't know, pointed with a smile on my face. (laughs) <laughs> Which I think makes me look crazy. And so you shouldn't push me anymore.
1: Yes, I would say that'd be terrifying.
0: Yeah. Are, you, you, gonna, such a are you gonna scream face. at me like that again? <laughs> are you gonna scream at me like that again? Oh, okay. Course, yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm I'm crying. Yeah. But there's tears running down the back of yeah. my, my brain because I'm trying yeah. so hard to keep it together. Well, and, and the and hard
1: thing, with, sorry, go, go ahead.
0: ahead. Oh no, all I was gonna say is like for all of my ability to kind of become malleable and just kind of of figure out their trigger points and then Mm -hmm. avoid those trigger points. Mm -hmm. I was also then unable to like, some or especially early on differentiate between the positive cajoling. It all became Mm -hmm. negative feedback. Mm -hmm. Every note became negative feedback. I wasn't good enough. What you're telling me is I'm not doing it right you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You're fucking crazy. Mm. It it took a lot of me just like after years of having that mindset, because I'm just trying to avoid your wrath, but then also never being able to trust what you're saying. Yeah. because I'm so scared, I had to let go of a lot. I mean, there's, I mean, there's the, the, my whole lucky guy experience. I was in such Mm. a negative headspace and I gave, I gave the director shit because I just Mm -hmm. refused to believe that what he was telling me was coming from a positive place
3: wow yeah
0: and, and i mean yeah
1: that's what's so hard too it's like you know and when a lot of us go into this we're younger um whether it's high school or college or you know and we're all insecure i mean it's a it's a place that attracts people who even if they seem like they're that you know the girl that can tap dance and put on a sh- She's Mm -hmm. insecure as hell. She's overperforming, you know, and, and it's so, and we're, I mean, you know, take it to the world. We're all insecure, but people are here with all those insecurities, despite all those insecurities, risking and being vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, you have a responsibility to honor that and to take care of that as a director, as a teacher, as a fellow cast member, all of it. And I think that's what I was taught so long ago it's like yeah. we are responsible for each other and then if you want to just break it down if you don't say that line i'm screwed so i'm going to help you out you know yep. um <laughs> you know no matter what your reasoning is but it's that thing of people are coming i feel it at the beginning of every acting class i don't care how much experience anyone has we're all on the same level because mm-hmm. this is all new i haven't done this exercise with this people on this day at this time when i'm feeling like this Um, We're all in the same place. And, and to meet at that place and to let them know we are, we all don't know. And we're all coming here and being vulnerable, which takes a shit ton of courage. And most of you are here for the first time dipping in and let's just honor that. And let's just pat ourselves on the back for being brave to be here because we want to connect and we want to understand and learn and grow. That's it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's that simple. And, and to, to not understand it as that. I mean, I have, they, I had two people in one acting class tell me about somebody who taught up in Boulder and I won't name names because I don't know the name.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That at the beginning of every class, you may know this person, but at the beginning of every class, he would start the class. I may get it wrong with this elevator exercise. And he would have one person stand on stage, say there's 10 people in the class, right? So one person is on stage, nine people are in the audience and he would invite the person on stage to only allow or to pick, cause it sounds so childish to pick eight people to be in his elevator or in that elevator. And one person was left sitting in the audience alone. That's how he began every class. Mm. You wanna talk about a horrible way to begin a place for people to risk
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, and wanna do, people do their best work when they feel safe you know I was always taught you gotta bleed you got this you gotta you're an artist and like letting go of that tortured thing and having my personal life actually be stable or just even the voice in my head be kind was the best I've done the best work of my life you know Mm -hmm. as far as I can tell within myself by releasing that negativity so I can only give that to other actors or other or students you know Mm-hmm. um because i know what it gives me that the freedom it gives me and, and and the uh i'm able to to be 10 times more creative yeah. because my ideas can flow because i'm not like does he hate me eh, Is it's my ass big Well, oh, did i step in this wrong place and say this word wrong mm-hmm. you know are they going to yell at me who's oh, who's yeah. going to get yelled at today oh, um yeah crazy
0: um before we wrap up one of the things yeah. i've, lo- I've loved i'm boring about you it.
1: and i'm annoying you that's why we're wrapping it up
0: no that don't <laughs> don't read into that at all that's not I'm what's kidding. happening here
1: i love um, it okay
0: yeah this is what happens with with people with two people who whose humor is re- kind of revolves around self-deprecation we get right. to the like
1: <laughs> i'm gonna get me. off this and be like i was an idiot and no no because i'm tapping into self-love which is the new movement yeah. and i'm gonna stop that crap because it's that's exhausting right. Let's there take you go a there's your psa
0: thank you i'm gonna take a moment to tell everybody just how amazing i think i am listen to the sound of my voice how would you not start a podcast if you sounded like me oh i love me some me oh anyway my
1: gosh! beautiful shower it rain it down that's
0: right just feel the raindrops. Oh, oh that's a leak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta get a new studio. That's this my basement of up Yeah. Um, no, you had we've been talking this this time mm-hmm. this whole time. And one of the things that you keep coming back to, and it reminded me when you were talking about this um this terrible exercise being done in Boulder by a specific mm-hmm. teacher who we don't know who it is. Um, but community. You talked about this the ensemble mm-hmm. and how in high school this bond was kind of created in that you felt like it saved your life to an extent or at least Mm -hmm. gave you a purpose and that's that's been the theme through this and then you see these teachers that are actively excluding somebody in in an art form that is so much about so much about bringing people together and i one of the things that i just loved about what we were talking about here near the end is when you're as a teacher being comfortable enough to say i don't know let's try this out together that's that seems especially from from my perspective as a guy that works in a in a, in a classroom mm-hmm. those moments of vulnerability are just as important as the moments of vulnerability on stage absolutely people then want to connect to that and like rise to the occasion right along with you and for you when they mm-hmm. feel like they're in it together and i'm i'm just it it's just such a unique thing you talked about the grind that you felt as an individual the work that you kind of had to do on your own but that it was your framework of friends and family supports Mm -hmm. that kept you in the game and where Mm -hmm. you found those victories were in these being an individual but in this 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 brotherhood and sisterhood of gypsies Mm -hmm. creating this work together Mm -hmm. um was that always the goal? I mm. want to be a part of co- this type of community forever.
1: Yeah, it was, but it, it also, uh, my ego got in the way too many times. So I was like, why are they doing it? That, you know, of course in my head or, you know, I was mm-hmm. a pain in the ass too. Um, but I had enough of those wonderful ensemble moments and I just have wicked awesome friends from high school. Um, theater friends that are, you know just all these misfits wonderful awesome misfits no matter what we were like on the outside we were all just misfits um, and so it happened more often than not I will say mm-hmm. in my professional career that I have been part of a really great ensemble of people who really had the, the best ensemble hands down that I've ever been a part of outside of a show that I cast and was in and my husband (laughs) I produced and he wrote because we only were like, let's just have the nicest people in this, um, was Sweat Mm. here at the Denver Center. Rose Reardon brought together a group of people and did really outside the box exercises with us. Every single day, we would do a 45 minute blindfolded in the dark roll down to music you had to roll down, lie out flat, roll over and get back up. And you had to use all 45 minutes. We did that every day before we began rehearsal. And then when you rolled up, someone would come guide you. There were like six people in the room helping out. Someone would come guide you back to a seat and you would wait there. And the goal was for all of us to do it in unison, blindfolded, 35 minutes, 38 minutes was the goal, 38 minutes. And she would seat you, somebody would seat you. You would just feel a hand on your back and you would just want to cry because for 45 minutes you went to another planet inside mm-hmm. your body and were alone um, in, a, in a great way. And then someone would come up once everybody had done their roll-ups, even though you're still blindfolded, someone would come whisk, whisper in your ear, go find each other. And you had to get up and they were monitoring all around the moon so no one hit each other. You had to find one another, all of each other.
3: Mm.
1: Hold hands, and you would end up in a circle. Hold hands, and once you were in that circle, people would come and take your blindfold off. And you had to look at everybody there for like 10 minutes. One minute's uncomfortable. Yeah. Try 10. 10 minutes, the music would change. And I mean, I was a mess then because I just lost half my nose, you know, to cancer and had it rebuilt, and like all this stuff was happening. I was looking at all of them. you you want to talk about capacity for joy. I was overflowing. It was coming out my eyes and I would just weep, weep looking at everyone because, Mm. and when you were looking for people, you know, you would grab someone's hand and you would feel them go like this to your arm. Like the you just needed each other. And we did that every single day before rehearsal. And Mm. that like broke down all the walls. We were all on the same level. We all needed each other. We all got out of our heads and into our bodies. I mean, we would do rehearsals where, in the middle of it, she would blast a song and you just had to dance. And you would dance it. She has the best taste in music, and you just, you know, be fucking dropping it out there <laughs> and um, to some like crazy ass Korean new wave rap. And she just let the, like the song go for you know a good minute, and then it was off. You had to go right back to where you were and get back in. Wow constant, she would have you do the, I could go on with the exercises she did so that you were laser focused on each other. And no matter what happened, you would not drop each other ever.
3: Mm.
1: It didn't matter. It was just us together telling a story period. And uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I was like, this is what it's all leading to. (laughs) You know, it was just joyous. That show is a hard show to do every night. And like, yeah, I was really sad to let, I could have done that for the rest of my life.
0: It was great. We've talked, you've talked about music a couple of times, um, references Mm -hmm. to David Bowie, Tracy Chapman, (laughs) your favorite Korean hip hop. Um, Sure. (laughs) What are your, I I just, I love top fives and I love lists. What are your, who are your top five musicians, Tara?
1: I'm awful at this. Uh, I love a whole bunch of things. Um, and some may
0: just list them. Okay.
1: Oh God. I don't even know because some include like, you know, really weird new age with whales and flutes. (laughs) My son is like, Oh, you're crazy music again. Um, I'm like, you play video games, dude, this, this is gonna, this is gonna appear somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. no, like, you know, not any, but like, you know, there's, there's some native American people that are great, but, um, I would say that I'm, Pretty driven by female folk singers and have been sort of my whole life, and R and B. Um, so it's just weird. Like, I love my Ani defranco defranco and Joni Mitchell, and um, you can give me De La Soul and um, some Mary J. I'm sorry, oh. but Mary J. Blige is like don't what's the 911? Yeah, I loved her for decades.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, I love her and so and then I love classical music my son is um, some sort of savant I guess in the fact that I mean his dad plays piano Tim plays piano I've been teaching him and Mm -hmm. Tim's grandfather taught him Um, and Conlon is just picking it up and he's playing Beethoven's um, Pathétique Symphony something eight symphony I mean I don't even know I'm like how did you come out of my body and he's (laughs) He's teaching himself. And so for the middle school talent show, he played it.
0: That kid of yours is going to rule the world.
1: Well, I hope so, because he's awesome. Um, I mean, he's an asshole to me sometimes, but he's awesome. Um, and he sort of came like that, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I, I've only mildly screwed him up, but um, he's it, it, listening to that music again. It's all over the house. We were walking the dogs and he, mm-hmm. we got him some earbuds as a present. Because he loves music, and I was like, "Hey Bud, I'm talking to you," and I put his earbud in my ear. You know, like, "Damn kid, listen to that rock and roll." And it was, it was list. It was Franz List. He was listening. To. <laughs> um, type of garbage you of.
0: Listen- oh, it's just clap. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's list. I don't know this um, symphony or movement or um, what it, it coda. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'll listen kind of to anything. I'm not a huge country fan, um, but I do love my old school R&B and rap and my um, female folk singers. (laughs) So,
0: So, Tara, to get to this point of the podcast, I ask, what is that ghost light that you wish was left on for you that you'd turn on for the next generation?
1: There's so many, oh gosh, so many things because It, despite my saying, you know, New York is so hard. If you want to do it, just freaking do it. But the key is be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. I wasted so much time and I probably was an asshole to other people too, because I was not good within myself or not being nice to myself or, you know, what we do is noble and wonderful and beautiful and misunderstood and all of that. So you've already got all that working for you and against you at once. <laughs> so just be kind to yourself, give yourself a break. It's hard, you know, yeah. and, and, and people think it's so easy. Oh, the artist life and they're all so woo. And you know, it's like, mm-hmm. there's nothing woo woo about this people. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to have grit and determination and also you have to be vulnerable and available, um, and brave. So it's like, you just, uh, what is that quote? It's the, the equity mailed it out years ago, having the height of a rhinoceros and the insides you know, of an egg, you know, you have to mm-hmm. be able to do both at once. Cause you do, you have to have a tough skin, yeah. um, but it can't make you mean or inaccessible or, uh, not vulnerable, like it can't, it can't harden you. So no. it's just such a strange dichotomy of something to carry. So it's hard enough. Don't make it any harder than it is, and just be kind to yourself. Yeah, you know, there, there I grew up in a world and a time and a place, Massachusetts, where flogging yourself was super, super cool. And um, God, it's exhausting. And yeah, it that tape, get that tape gets played over and over in your head and stays there and mm-hmm. informs lots of things in your life. And um, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. You know, do it, do it the other route. The other route can get the same results like, or even better probably mm-hmm. is being kind to yourself and giving yourself a break. You're not gonna slip, you're not gonna slack off. You're not gonna blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You may give yourself a break and take a rest which makes you able to come back and play even harder. Um, you know, and, and stay in the game longer.
0: I, I love that. I say that to a lot of my friends, be kind to yourself. I think mm-hmm. so often, and I know from my own personal experience, when I would be upset with myself, you know, dropped line late to rehearsal, uh, yep. a blown audition, or I didn't sign up in time or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I would go into my bedroom or in the car and I'd start yelling at myself. Eventually I would get desensitized to it. So I'd have to turn the volume up. Uh huh. And when you're kind to yourself, you never have to touch that dial.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's always coming in at the same frequency and it's always, it's always what you need to hear and feel.
1: Yeah. And like people say, Oh, you know, well, the, the ones that don't want to accept that actually it is a, an insanely useful tool that creates a better world. Um, and, you know, and I, or, or th- you know, think it's, I don't know, just this hokey thing to say or whatever, but it is an absolute 100% game changer. And it comes from doing a lot of work on yourself and getting real with yourself and authentic with yourself mm-hmm. because there's no way you can truly be kind to other people or treat other people with true respect unless you feel that for yourself. Yeah. And 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 I've, I've, in my life, when I didn't do that, I... I'm sure my love for people just was limited. You know, it only went so far because I didn't understand that that love could contain the capacity for joy.
0: Take a drink. Mm. Mm. Extra hydrated today. Mm, Why? Water. Filled with joy.
1: Filled with joy. My Mm -hmm. bowels are filled with joy. Um, But yeah, but it's true. It's like, it's just so freeing. I didn't grow up in that world. I was not encouraged to do that. I was mm-hmm. not taught to love myself in that way, like yeah. a true self-love and and kindness to oneself. I was taught to go hard, beat myself up <laughs> even even if I did the best I could or even if I quote unquote won. Mm-hmm. I would find a way to just punish myself for it. Yeah. And it's like god is that exhausting. And 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 if we are all energy and that contributes jack shit to the world. So, yeah. switch it up. And switch it up fast, you know. Mm-hmm it's much easier it's 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 really liberating yeah yeah and and i could lose a few pounds i don't like the size of my ass but that's okay (laughs) same my husband's like when are you gonna stop that i was like i can love myself and still want to work on the size of my booty okay that's okay
0: (laughs) just you know you can just be in the mirror telling telling yourself how much you love yourself while you do some squats exactly there you go as i look at
1: my booty so
0: Yeah, it's it's bad on your back. Yeah, but
3: you can do it. (laughs)
1: I'll be in the mirror telling my booty how much I love my booty as I do my squats. I don't think there's a mirror big enough. You see, it just snuck in there again. That means we're we're
0: we're we're sucking that we're (laughs) sucking that self-deprecating loop. All right, everybody. All right, baby. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again so much for sitting down with us, Tara. I really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Oh, it was
1: so fun. It's human again. It's just lovely. And the thought of talking about this stuff again honestly we've talked about mourning it and talked about all this stuff but like celebrating is just really so exciting because it's right around the corner
0: absolutely we'll be there and i hope you'll sit with us ghosties dan do the damn thing
1: Poopy
2: Community with a poopy purpose
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh god can you tell I have a child This is the only way I talk Can you tell I've (laughs) had a couple
2: of whiskeys
1: I know I got a vodka tonic Wait for me
2: Sam wasn't wrong I did a little yoga and had a little whiskey I told you
1: (laughs) you. It loosens you up
3: (laughs) We'll